All right, so to the book of Titus this morning, Titus chapter number one, Titus chapter number one, and if you've been paying attention at all, we've been in the book of Titus for uh, the last several weeks. I never intended for uh, us to be in a, a series, if you will, but uh, the Lord has just kept me in the book of Titus. I'll, I'll bring a message this morning uh, from Titus one. Uh, I'm going to bring another message tonight from the book of Titus, and then I have one more study from the book of Titus this coming Wednesday night that I want you to be here for, and I think that'll be seven or eight sermons from Titus, and I'm planning on moving to another uh, series after that. And so uh, this morning, Titus chapter number one, and uh, we're going to read verse number one, and then we'll read verses 10 through 16. And several weeks ago, we spent some time in this chapter, but there's some truths I want to bring out today uh, that I think will be a help and a challenge to us. As we begin reading Titus chapter number one, verse number one, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Skip down with me, verse number 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and, to every, and unto every good work reprobate. I want to look at... Uh, this passage of scripture, and I want to speak on this subject today, godliness in a Cretan world, godliness in a Cretan world. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. May the truths that we see in your word today, may they challenge us, may they uh, point us uh, towards you. And Father, I pray that it would help us to be more determined as your church, as your people to make a difference in this world. And Father, as always, I pray this morning that if there's one unsaved, may they realize their need of salvation today. May they realize their only means of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, may they call on Him today. And Father, for the Christian this morning, may we be challenged, strengthened, encouraged to do more for you, to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think back to a few weeks ago, and I'll refresh your memory this morning as we look at the book of Titus. We find in the first verse, Paul is writing uh, this epistle. He writes it to Titus. A few verses into this chapter, we are told that uh, Paul has sent Titus to the island of Crete. Uh, as the scripture says, there are some things that need to be set in order. There's some things that are, are, are wanting, that are, are lacking. <clears throat> we find this in verse number five, and he's also challenged to train and equip and use others in the ministry and, uh, the, so that the, the, these people could be helped and uh, these people could be, uh, receive Christ and know of salvation. It, not only is he given instruction of where he's supposed to be, why he's there, what he's supposed to be doing, he is giving a warning of the difficulties of the task. 
And we need to be reminded that certainly uh, there is the truth of salvation, and uh, salvation will change any life, and certainly has changed you and I that are saved, has it not? But we're warned of the difficulties of reaching others with the gospel. He is told in verse number 9 to hold fast the faithful word. He is to hold fast those things that he has been taught. There's a reason for that. It's because of what he's going to face. It's because of the conditions, if you will, of Crete. And what are those conditions? We find them in verses 10 down to the end of the chapter that we read, that there are false teachers, that we are told that, that there are vain talkers and deceivers in verse number 11. And uh, there in verse number 11, uh, verse number 10 and verse number 11, there are false teachers and those that would use religion to enrich themselves, that filthy lucre. They did what they did just to make a buck. They're also told in verse number 12, he tells him, reminds him that the people that you're going to set the church in order, the people you're going to train others to send out and reach, this is the kind of people they are. This is who they are. We've seen this in past uh, studies from this chapter. They are always liars. Boy, it's a very optimistic environment that he's sending him to. They, they are evil beasts, slow bellies, and you thought your neighborhood was bad. This witness is true. Now, they're liars. They had a reputation as a liars. There's an old proverb that says that you're acting like a Cretan, which is another way of calling somebody a liar. It was an understood thing that these people who live there, they were known as liars. They would look you in the face and they'd lie to you. They'd lie to get what they want. They're referred to as evil beast. This is referencing their wild, ferocious appetites. Not just their eating appetite, but the appetites that they had, they were unrestrained. If they wanted to do something, they would do it. It didn't matter what the consequences. It didn't matter who liked it. It doesn't matter how it affected others. Uh, they, they, they had these unrestrained appetites, and in a lot of ways, they just resembled beasts. If they wanted to do it, they were going to do it. Didn't matter what anybody else thought. <coughs> Didn't matter the consequences. And so they referred to as evil beasts. They referred to as slow bellies. This indicates that they were lazy and gluttonous and lustful people. This was who Titus was there to minister to. Certainly the church that was there, but to reach those with the gospel. Now, as I study this and I look on this, there's a couple of observations I make. The first one I would say, as a young man, that is not the kind of thing that I would want to hear from my spiritual mentor. This is what I want you to do. But then I make this application as well, this, come to this conclusion. This sounds a whole like our world today. Man has not come that far from Crete to now. You say, Pastor, do you think people will lie to you? Have you watched the news lately? Have you, have you, have you, have you talked to people? They will lie to you. Have you heard the latest speech 
by a politician. I mean, they will lie. They know they're lying. They tell you they're lying, and they lie, and that's just what they are. That's what they do. Well, okay, well, I'll give you that one. There's, there's liars today. And those liars, don't, they don't just apply to the average person on the street. They apply to the religious element as well. Anybody who will tell you that you can get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ is a liar. Anybody who will tell you that you can work your way to heaven is a liar. Uh, anybody tell you that if you join a certain church, you can get to heaven, they're a liar. There's about one way that it's in the religious world too. Okay, well, maybe the liars is true in our world today, but as I look at these people, as the scripture tells us how these were, the evil beast, well, you don't have to look far to see that we live in a world where men still have their wild, unrestrained, ferocious appetites. Why would you do that? Because I wanted to. Didn't you understand that there would be consequences? Didn't you understand that it would affect other people? It doesn't matter. It's what I wanted to do. It's what I felt like doing. I did it in the moment. It's what, it's what, what I, and we look at the way people live today. You see the way people conduct them, themselves. And if you, if you think about it, there's been a time when all of us have probably said, these people just live like animals. Well, it's not much different than the days of Titus, the slow bellies, the lazy, the gluttonous. Well, have you seen any hiring signs lately? Uh, it's not because we've run out of people who are able to work. We're a society that expects somebody to do for us what God intends for us to do for ourselves. God help us, and we need to get back to the day when we have enough sense and enough pride in who God made us to be as, 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 as His people to say, I'm going to do what I can do for myself, and I'm going to do what God expects me to do and not depend on somebody else to do it. We can start with making a living to rearing our children, to being where I'm supposed to be, we don't need to depend. Well, that's just the way society is nowadays. Sounds a lot like what Titus was dealing with. Let me make a couple of statements, and I want to show you some things from this passage of Scripture. Just as Titus was expected to live godly in Crete, God's people are still expected to live godly today. Quite frankly, and very bluntly this morning, there's too many Christians that use... The fact that there's liars, there's evil beasts, and there's slow bellies as an excuse for not living godly. We would, be, we would not be as quick to give Titus a pass when Paul specifically says you're here to set some things in order. You're, you'd hold fast to that what you have. You rebuke those that are going a different way. And you live godly. Just as Titus was expected to live godly, we as God's people are expected to live godly Today, I add, as a side, Titus was never told to be like Crete to win Crete. We have a philosophy that, quite frankly, is devilish in its nature and its origin that says in order to win the world, you must be like the world. Your music must be like the world to attract the world. Your, your lifestyle and your dress must be like the world to attract the world. You don't get that from the Bible 
If that were true, then why was Titus not told, oh, go be like those slow bellies. Oh, go, go and live like those evil beasts and live like the, 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 the liars. He was not commanded to do that. He was commanded to be like Christ. The same is true still today. So, how are we to live godly in a Cretan world? Well, the answer this morning is in our text. And I want to draw your attention, first of all, to verse number 15. We read this morning, Under the pure, all things are pure. Whether them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Let me say, number one, there's the perspective of the converted and the unconverted. When it comes down to it, yes, the Christian people were described by certain attributes and even in, say, well, well, that's being cruel. Paul was being cruel. Well, I remind you in verse 13, the words, this witness is true. They say it's true about them. Uh, you say, well, how in the world? You say, we have all these people. But it really comes down to who was converted and who was unconverted. The same is true today. What matters the most today is who is converted and who's unconverted. Who is a convert of Christ? Who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me explain the difference from verse number 15. The converted are mentioned unto the pure. All things are pure. So aren't you thankful for the change that Christ made in you? We would look at the Christians as liars and evil beasts and slow bellies. Oh, we got to stay away from them. No, Titus was to win them. Because I remind you, in, as we read in the book of Titus, he reminds them that before Christ saved them, they were no different than the people they're trying to reach. And friend, the only thing pure about you and I is the fact that we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our salvation, and it's His blood applied to our account. That's where our purity comes from. But to the saved, to the converted, they look at things differently than the unconverted. Wouldn't you say that's a fair statement? That's a true statement. So unto the pure, all things are pure. Let me explain this. Unto the pure, the converted, all God's laws and commands of high living are so that we might be more pure. Well, God expects this of me. God wants me to give this up. It must mean that God just wants me to be more of what I am. <clears throat> there is the teaching that was going, that's taking place in that time, and I think you could draw the comparison perhaps of, of, of the meat that was offered to idols, and some felt like it should not be offered to idols, but those that are saved and those that are pure, they're less worried about man's opinion about uh, uh, religious things, but what does God want from me? And friend, that is a good place for a Christian to be, is not looking at everything of, well, do I have to do this, or why do I have to do that? For you didn't have to do anything for salvation. That is a free gift of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything for salvation, but after salvation, everything that is expected of us, we ought to look at it, it's an opportunity for me to become more like Christ. But how do the unconverted... And I write what God says, and I remind all of us that the only goodness we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. All men have been defiled by sin. 
All of us have. If you're sitting here today and you're saved by the grace of God, it doesn't change the fact that we were sinners. But what it does, it gives us, grants us forgiveness for our sin. It grants us forgiveness through Christ. But those that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. It is a significant thing, no doubt, and obviously for somebody to be an unbeliever. To be confronted with the truth and say, I'll not accept that. Or to just have no belief, a belief in a religion, a belief in a way of life. Or many times you'll even encounter them in our nation today. Well, my religion is a belief in myself or a belief in no religion at all. The defiled and unbeliever is nothing pure. What this is saying, I believe, and I remind you that there were many teachers of religion that Titus was to deal with. They taught the law. They taught the Jewish fables in verse 14 and commandments of men in order to get others to turn from the truth. The point that I believe is being made here is to the unbeliever, no matter what religious things you do, it is not pure. Because it is to satisfy self. See, as a believer... Follow me this morning as a believer. My peace comes not from my own goodness. My security comes in not from my own goodness because the Bible says there is none good. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to his holiness. But my security comes in the fact that Jesus paid my sin debt and I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But to the unbeliever who is doing religious acts and keeping religious laws, it does nothing. They put their faith and their hope in that. They do that for themselves to make themselves feel good. Or they do it to their own pride. You ever had anybody tell you how humble they are? They do it to their own pride. The reason why man will stay in a belief system that says you must do certain things to get to heaven and not believe the simple message that Jesus died on the cross to pay their sin debt. All they have to do is believe in what Christ did as he is our our means of, of salvation. The reason why many will not believe on that and reject that and be unrepentant is because for me to do these works makes me feel good. When I lay my head on my pillow at night, I know that I'm going to heaven, not because of what I've done that day, because of what Christ did on Calvary. So there's the perspective of the converted and the unconverted. The unrepentant religious one, their works, their quote-unquote acts, to them is nothing pure. Let me illustrate further. There are those who persecuted those who persecute those then and throughout history and even today persecute those who do not hold to their holy days. I'll use a illustration from history and history will repeat itself and I'll use one from today. There's religion. You could probably guess what it was. It has their holy days, rituals, ceremonies that they decree righteous or makes you righteous, and if you did not fulfill them, they would execute you. The 
dark ages are dark in many ways because of the martyrs, those who were murdered by the Catholic Church because there are some who would not baptize their babies. There were religious deeds and ceremonies and creeds and things you should not participate in. You explain to me how that is pure when those very things were used to condemn others to death. In today's world, there are those who would hold to the false religion of Islam. They would live a higher living than many who claim the name of Christ. But it is a religion that is defiled and is not pure because they do not accept Christ. They are very religious, but yet, if you do not convert to what they believe, they will kill you. There's a different perspective of the converted and the unconverted. But I also want to point out that there's the the unconverted religious were an obstacle. I remind you what we're focusing on today. How to live godly in a Cretan world. The day of Titus is not much different than the day of today. And in fact, Scripture tells us that as we get closer to Christ's return, it will get worse and worse and worse. So according to that, the people, the world today is worse than it was in the day of Titus. But notice what the problem was in verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Number two this morning, we have the unconverted religious were an obstacle. We are more religious in our nation than we have ever been, but we are more lost than we have ever been. And the reason is, and, and, and Titus is, is warned here, we see this today, they profess to know God. But in works they deny Him. This is, perfectly illustrates itself in the, in the political spectrum in the last couple of months. We have politicians who go before the media, who claim to know God, expressing their disappointment and horror that a Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade. They claim to know God, but yet are in horror and trying to do everything they can to make it where women can murder their babies. They say they know God, but their works deny Him. There are many today who they claim to know God, religion today claims to know God, but in their works, many today gather before, unfortunately, before false teachers in the name of religion, and they're told that you're good enough just how you are. When the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There are none good. You can live your best life now. Friend, if this is the best life, if this is the best we have to look forward to, friend, my best life is not now. My best life is in eternity. Well, you find this today. Well, just, you don't need the Bible. Just let God speak to you. How is he going to do that? He speaks through his book. 
So you have, here's what's missing today. There must be a call to repentance, not a call to religion. We live in a religious world, but religion has never saved a soul. It is a call to repentance. What our nation, what this world needs to hear is the message of repentance. You must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must put your faith and trust in Him. You must turn from your unbelief and believe on Him. That is the message that must be preached and accepted. You know what gets in the way of that? The unconverted religious. The hardest people to win are the ones who have been influenced by the unconverted religious. Say, Pastor, are you really calling some who claim to know God unsaved? I'm not calling them that. I'm just quoting the Bible. But that is the great obstacle. Now, I point these things out because I want to get to number three and number four. How to live godliness in a Cretan way. We live in, the, in a similar world than Titus lived in. We see the problem. There's a difference of thinking in the converted and the unconverted. It makes a difference, obviously, if you're saved. It makes a difference in your thinking, the way you look at things. It makes a difference as we look at this book. It's a, it's a big deal, even if you call yourself religious, if you have not accepted Christ and you refuse to accept Christ's simple payment for our sin and nothing else. So what is the answer to this? How do we live godly? I'm glad you asked because we're going to get to that. The answer, I believe, is found in verse number one, the first verse of this entire chapter of the entire book. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. There must be a, number three, there must be a conversion by faith. We've said there's the the converted and the unconverted, so how is one converted? It's by faith. The conversion is by faith. According to the faith of God's elect, it is the faith in Christ Christ. Who are the elect? What does that mean? It's simply, don't get confused by, by that word. It's simply the saved. It's the converted. And I'll just throw this in. It is not a, God did not establish that some could be saved and some could not be saved. That's false teaching. God knew that, that you would be presented the gospel. He knew whether you would receive it or, or whether or not you would reject it. And if you have received Christ... If you have salvation, you are the elect. So how do you get there? It's faith in Christ. Friend, you cannot disconnect faith from the elect or faith from the saved. Just because somebody was born into a religious home doesn't make them saved. There must be faith in Christ. You're here in attending a church service at the Emmanuel Baptist Church today, but that cannot save you. It is only faith in Christ. You can be the most religious person on the planet, but that will not save you. Paul writes, as one of the most religious, those, the one who knew the law, the one who persecuted the Christian. Have you met Christ on that road to Damascus? putting his faith in Christ, and he was converted. He knew what it was like. He knew who he was talking about with the religious who, 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 who depended on their own works and that not of faith. Friend, this morning, if you're saved, is because of your faith. 
So how are we going to live godly in a, in, in, a, in a Cretan world? There's a progression here, things we need to realize, what we're up against, but the conversion is by faith. The, the Cretans had religious laws. But we see what kind of a vile society lived in. I hope this helps us get the picture. We have a religious nation, don't we? But it's a vile one. Because there's a difference in religion and the elect, those who've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you may be religious, but until you put your faith and trust in Christ and not in a religion, you cannot and do not have salvation. So I, I, I have a hard time with that, friend. Don't take my word for it. Take the Scripture's word for it. Any man who's ever been saved, they were saved the same way. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang the song earlier in the sweet by and by. What a wonderful song that is. And one day we all, all the saved, will gather on that other shore. And every person who will gather on that shore will be there because of the same reason. Not because our good works outweighed the bad. I don't even think a man could do that. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ and putting our faith and trust in Him. Not because we all belong to one denomination. One, No, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about faith. Matter of fact, that's the, the message that still needs to be preached today. It's by faith. Now, number four, and this is where it brings us to. Thank you for paying such close attention to get us to here. We see salvation promotes godliness. Now, we have looked at the environment. We have looked at the condition of Crete. There's a difference in the way you view things as a converted and unconverted. I bring that out because we live in a world today where there's those who are unconverted see it one way and those who are converted see it a different way. It's important for us to understand that. We must also understand that false religion is an obstacle to our Salvation of our nation. But conversion is by faith, and it brings us to number four, salvation promotes godliness, because we want to live godly in a Cretan world. Notice verse number one, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Salvation promotes godliness. Oh, we need to get the Republicans back in charge so our nation will change. Won't change our nation. Gas might go down. That's a good thing. But let me tell you, we got the rulers. We got the rulers. I said that right. We got the rulers we have because God tells us that we get the leaders we deserve. Righteousness exalts a nation. What would save our nation is if it became godly. You're talking about morals. No, 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 I'll get to that in a moment. I'm not talking about morals. There's too many Christians pushing the morality of a nation. I'll clarify that in a second. But God speaks of blessing godliness. There's a difference in godliness and morality. Godliness comes from salvation. Morality comes from a code of ethics. Now let me say, I'm for Morality. And let me also say, God did not save us to be less like Him, but to be more like Him. You know what the hope of the liars is? It's salvation through Christ. You know what the hope of the evil beast 
You know what the hope is? It's salvation through Jesus Christ. You know what the hope of the slow bellies is? It's salvation through Jesus Christ. You know what the hope of our world is? It's salvation through Jesus Christ. He saves us so that we're not liars anymore. He saves us so we don't have to live like evil beasts anymore. He saves us so that we're not like those slow bellies anymore. We should be more like him after our salvation. He didn't save us to be less like him. I think some Christians think that. But to be more like him. Let me make this statement. God did not save us to be moral. He saved us to be godly. See, there's a difference between morality and godly. Stay with me. We're talking about being godly in a Cretan world. You can be moral without being godly. But you cannot be godly without being moral. The devil has deceived a lot of God's people, and he's done it, in my opinion, through political efforts, trying to raise the morals in our nation through elections, and we ought to be trying to have more godly people through salvation. Again, you can be moral without being godly, but you cannot be godly without being moral. Morals say that you should be faithful to your spouse. That's a good thing. Honest, good thing. We do those things because we have set high standards for ourselves. And there was a day when America was more moral than it is now. And we should still be moral. There are some things that are just decent and indecent, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. But that's morals. Godliness, God is the standard. See, morals change because society changes. Crete had morals. They just didn't have high ones. Crete had morals. They just weren't godly. Why weren't they godly? Because they didn't have salvation. See, morals change because society changes, but God never changes. Many things that are described as moral today that were not considered moral 30 years ago. There's many, days considered, many things considered moral today that were not considered moral 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Why? Because society changes. But God is as holy today as he has ever been. For the Christian, for the one who's received salvation, that standard has never changed. Christian, I try and warn us all as much as I can. Here's a warning again today. Stop setting your standard by the world. There's too many Christians living just better than the world's living. Well, I have some, I have some morals. Congratulations. Everybody does. They just may not be as high as yours. The challenge is to set the standard by God. And I can live godly in a Cretan, Cretan world when God is my standard. Why? Because salvation produces that. God is as holy now as he has ever been. See, many religions have morals. They would... Say they were against this and that, but you know, as I used the same illustration I used earlier, you can hear some of our politicians, they 
claim to be very religious, but they're, they're, they're for this or that, and there are many who are religious today that are against abortion. That's a right position. But they have no problem drinking, cussing, not forgiving, backbiting. That's ungodly. See, we like to say morals. I have morals. That means I don't do what these other people do. And we can set those morals anywhere we want them. But as a Christian, that shouldn't be my standard. It ought to be, I'm trying to achieve godliness. I want to be like God. You can't have that. This is the reason why the, the people were in the condition they were in. This is the reason why we're in the world we're in. Because we're, we're not focused. We're focused on religious things. And, and, and I believe in freedom of religion. All of those things that our nation brings. But that does not mean that religion is going to bring you anything other than what religion has always brought you. But salvation delivers you for eternity. It delivers you for your sin. But... It produces godliness. My goal is not, and let hear me completely out before you cut me off. My goal is not for us to rear moral young people. Our goal is to rear godly ones. And in that difference is why some parents have a problem. Because they're okay with moral kids, but they don't want godly kids. Because they're not living godly lives. There's a difference. We need a revival of godliness, not just a revival of morality in our nation. We need a revival of godliness because God is the standard. So how do we live godly? We keep God the standard. Well, I'm not as bad as, okay, we can play that game and everybody can find somebody that is worse than them. In this world, you don't have to look far. But Paul was admonishing Titus, set some things in order. Here's some problems. The converted and the unconverted look at it completely different. You better hold fast to what you believe. Because the false teachers, they're an obstacle to you. But Paul reminds him that it's by faith. Do you know what will change the lost man? Faith in Christ. Faith in, well, I've done things that can't be forgiven. God will forgive you. But you have to must believe on Christ. And then he reminds him that salvation promotes godliness, and therefore we should strive to be godly. Well, we have the, we've adopted the wrong standard in our world today. We, we ought to strive to be God. Let me ask you very pointedly this morning. First of all, do you know the Lord personally? I didn't say, did you know about Him? Do you believe in Him? Religion knows all about Him, but not every religion. Religions today don't believe just in Christ, in Christ alone. Well, I believe in Jesus. The Bible tells us that the devils even believe in Jesus. There's a difference in being religious and having some knowledge about Jesus, believing in Jesus, and believing that because you're a sinner, you could not get to God, and only because of God's love, He sent His Son to pay your sin debt. 
And you must believe in that and that only. Do you have salvation or are you unrepentant? Because you're believing in something. You've, re you've refused that's just Christ alone. But beyond that, if you know you're saved this morning, let me ask you very pointedly, are you living a godly life? Well, pa Pastor, I don't believe, in, I, I don't do what they do, but do you hold bitterness in your heart? Are you bitter at anybody? That's not godly. Are you a backbiter? Are you a gossip? I use a Bible word. Are you a busybody? That's not godly. Do you live a hypocritical life? Live one way on Sunday, another way on Monday? That's not godly. I'm not talking about the morality of a nation today. I'm talking about the godliness of God's people. If God's people would be godly, Morality of a nation would take care of itself. Are you godly? I've mentioned this in Sunday school, and I'll say it now as we go to invitation. There's too many Christians using the condition of our world as an excuse of why they live the way they live, they act the way they act, and why they've set such a low standard. Do you realize if you're saved this morning, you have the Spirit of God that lives in you? He saved us to be more like Him, not less like Him. I'm not here today painting any kind of picture like, you should try and be like the pastor. You could try and be like somebody else. Yes, there's principles of being an example. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But the standard is Christ. So however far away you are from Him, you should be trying to get closer. And maybe it's as simple as this week, I want to, talk in a way that would honor him and I may have to take some words out of my vocabulary not that they're accepted in society man there's words accepted today that would have been that would, that would have been considered filth and impropriety 30 years ago it's, maybe I gotta remove these things from my vocabulary. Maybe, maybe there's some things. Quit, 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 when we quit arguing about should we should we do certain things or not certain things, is it godly? We need to pray for the morality of our nation. No, we need to pray for the godliness of God's people. That's the solution. How to live godly in a Cretan world? Wow, Titus didn't have it as bad as we have it. Oh, really? There's so many analogies, and i got to cut on so many analogies. All this description, in, it says, and they testify themselves of that. I bet they had a pride month. This is what we are! We're not hiding it! Pastor, what do we do? Are you saved this morning? That produces godliness. Don't miss the key in the first point that seems like an hour ago. Because it was. The converted and the unconverted see it differently. 
man, pastor is just getting on it this morning. The Spirit of God is tapping on me. I know he didn't say I shouldn't do that, so that must be the Holy Spirit that's bringing that to my mind. Maybe I should look at this as, I'm going to remove this from my life so that I can be more pure, so that I can be more godly. The converted looks at religion. The unconverted looks at religion. As you, got, you better do this, you better do this. To the defiled, that's what, to the unconverted, that's the way it looks. But to us that are saved, because our goal should be godliness, everything that the Word of God brings into our life, well, here's an opportunity. Quite frankly, there's some Christians this morning, and you need to set aside some weights that are keeping you from doing everything from God for God that you could be doing. There's many, perhaps, this morning... You're not living the godly life you should live. I mean, don't be offended this morning. You shouldn't be that odd that you come to church and you hear a preacher preach out of the Bible to be godly. Sadly, in our nation, it is. Why don't we just be godly? We live in a wicked... The problem, the problem, the problem is not the wicked world we live in. It's a lack of godliness amongst God's people. The invitation this morning is simple. As we go to the invitation, are you saved or are you born again? If I were to ask you one-on-one or if you had to give an explanation of, to God, what would, why would he accept you? It's, it's, not, it's not your church membership. It's not your religious. It's not your, your pedigree. It's not any, any of those things. It's only one thing. It's by the finished work of Christ on Calvary and belief in only that. Christian, one of the things we got to be reminded as Christians, everybody in here got saved at a different time. Everybody in here is at a different place in their growth. So don't look at somebody else's life and say, don't do in here, in here what we do with out there and say, I'm not as bad as out there. Don't look around and say, well, I'm doing more than this and this and this. It's not comparing to somebody who's been saved less than you or more than you. Compare yourself to Christ. You know what would be a wonderful thing for this church and for our city and our, our neighborhoods if everybody in this building this morning, everybody listening to this live stream, listening on radio said, I'm going to do something to become more like my Savior. What is it that the Spirit of God is bringing to my attention now that i got to sit down, that i got to change, that will make me more like Him? What is the obstacle that is in the way? No wonder we're not reaching our world. No wonder we're falling behind. Because we're not maintaining the godliness that God's people should have. What is it today that you need to make a change? Maybe it's an illustration I already used. I'm going to change my speech this week. Not just other some words I should not say, but my speech should be seasoned with grace. See, morality says I'm not going to cuss. Godliness says my speech should be seasoned with grace. Maybe there's some forgiveness that you need to grant. Maybe there's places you shouldn't go, things that you're participating in that you shouldn't. I want to be godlier. Man, what a change it would make if everybody in this building... So that's what I'm going to do today.
I'm going to do something so that I'm more godlier in the eyes of my God. So I can't comprehend that. Maybe you need to get saved today. Because it's a natural progression. You know why some Christians are miserable in their ungodliness? Because God didn't save you to be ungodly. Some of you would be amazed at how much joy and how much peace you'd have. And that turmoil would no longer be there if you just said, Okay, I'm going to give in to godliness. Today, why don't we determine as a people... What do I need to do to be more like my Savior?